0: Hello, this is your Bible teaching programme, Search for Truth. I'm John Martin and I give you a warm welcome and thank you for joining us for another talk in our series called Once Saved, Always Saved. Each week, Brian, our Bible teacher, is looking at evidence in the Bible which tells us about the nature of our salvation. Our salvation is what we possess uh, through believing in God and owning Jesus Christ as the Lord of our life. We're going to learn from our Bible with Brian and just how secure our salvation is. That's the salvation for the true believer. With God, there is no going back on his word and that's the title of today's talk. So, please stay with us as we join Brian. Thanks, John. It's been said, the person who won't change his mind to
1: line up with the truth will change the truth to line up with his mind. In a moment, I'm going to remind you of a bible story about a man who tried to get god to change his mind in a way that lined up with what suited him the story goes back to the time when the children of israel pitched their tents in the plains of moab and the moabites did some kind of deal with the midianites to combine forces against israel at the instigation of balak who was at that time the king of the moabites representatives of both nations were sent to someone called Balaam to basically bribe him to come and pronounce a curse on these advancing hosts of the Israelites. But at first, and rightly, Balaam refused to go with them. But when even more impressive messengers came, with still more tempting promises, Balaam was definitely interested in going, and so God allowed it to happen. When he arrived, according to Numbers chapter 23, Balaam said to Balak, Build for me here seven altars, and prepare for me here seven bulls and seven rams. Balak did as Balaam had said. And Balak and Balaam offered on each altar a bull and a ram. And Balaam said to Balak, Stand beside your burnt offering, and I will go. Perhaps the Lord will come to meet me, and whenever he shows me, I will tell you. And he went to a bare height, and God met Balaam. And Balaam said to him, I have arranged the seven altars, and I have offered on each altar a bull and a ram. And the Lord put a word in Balaam's mouth and said, Return to Balak, and thus you shall speak. And he returned to him, and behold, he and all the princes of Moab were standing beside his burnt offering. And Balaam took up his discourse and said, From Aram Balak has brought me the king of Moab, from the eastern mountains. Come, curse Jacob for me, and come, denounce Israel. How can I curse whom God has not cursed? How can I denounce whom the Lord has not denounced? For from the top of the crags I see him, from the hills I behold him, behold a people dwelling alone, and not counting itself among the nations. Who can count the dust of Jacob, or number the fourth part of Israel. Let me die the death of the upright, and let my end be like his. And Balak said to Balaam, What have you done to me? I took you to curse my enemies, and behold, you have done nothing but bless them. And he answered and said, Must I not take care to speak what the Lord puts in my mouth? And Balak said to him, Please come with me to another place, from which you may see them. You shall only see a fraction of them, and shall not see them all. Then curse them for me from there. And he took him to the field of Zothim, to the top of Pisgah, and built seven altars, and offered a ram and a bull on each altar. Balaam said to Balak, Stand here beside your burnt offering, while I meet the Lord over there. And the Lord met Balaam, and put a word in his mouth, and said, Return to Balak, and thus shall you speak. And he came to him, and behold, he was standing beside his burnt offering, and the princes of Moab with him. And Balak said to him, What has the Lord spoken? And Balaam took up his discourse and said, Arise, Balak, and hear, give ear to me, O son of Zippor. God is not man, that he should lie, or a son of man, that he should change his mind. Has he said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not fulfil it? What a tragic figure Balaam is. If only he'd known what someone has truly written when they said, It is better to be divided by truth than to be united in error. It is better to speak the truth that hurts and then heals than to speak falsehood that comforts then kills. It is not love and it is not friendship if we fail to declare the whole counsel of God. It is better to be hated for telling the truth than to be loved for telling a lie. It's impossible to find anyone in the Bible who was a for God, who did not have enemies and was not hated. It's better to stand alone with the truth than to be wrong with a multitude. That's the end of the quotation. But that's true, is it not? Can you tell me anyone in the Bible whom God used mightily, who was free of enemies and well-liked by everyone. We're a fool if we think there's long-term advantage in not standing four-square for the truth of God's word. Balaam was such a fool, and came to symbolise those who'd be willing to corrupt the word of God for personal gain. Balaam wanted to be popular. He wanted to be honoured. Truth, it seems, was something to be manipulated if it meant those personal goals could be reached. Anyone who has his heart set on the honour, power, fame and riches of this world will find himself, or herself, tempted to be economical with the truth. It would have suited Balaam for God to change his mind regarding Israel. Did he think for a while that he could deal with God as his colleagues dealt with their pagan deities? Could he manage, after all, to manipulate God with sacrifices, even seven of them on seven altars, so as to change his counsel just slightly concerning Israel? It was going to be to his advantage, so he thought, to at least give it a try. But he was forced to admit that he'd seriously underestimated God. He came to acknowledge God is not man that he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not fulfil it? Balaam, influenced by Balak and his bribes, had tried to get God to change his mind concerning Israel, but God never will. The Apostle Paul makes that very clear in Romans chapter 11 from verse 25. He says, I want you to understand this mystery, brothers. A partial hardening has come upon Israel, until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And in this way all Israel will be saved. As it's written, the Deliverer will come from Zion. He will banish ungodliness from Jacob. And this will be my covenant with them when I take away their sins. As regards the gospel, they are enemies of God for your sake. But as regards election, they are beloved for the sake of their forefathers. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. For just as you were once at that time disobedient to God, but now have received mercy because of their disobedience, so they too have now been disobedient in order that by the mercy shown to you, they also may now receive mercy. For God has consigned all to disobedience, that he may have mercy on all. I particularly wanted you to pick up on verse 29 there, which said, For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. Admittedly, that scriptural application of this text is in terms of God's, as yet, unfinished business with the nation of Israel. But this statement, being a communication of the very character of God, surely bears application also to the gift of salvation, to which by His grace God has called those of us who are believers in Christ. And that's how I want to use it in this series. On the theme of once saved always saved this verse assures us that the character of the god of the bible is such that he'll never give a gift and then later demand that same gift back again never some versions say the gifts and the calling of god are without repentance meaning god doesn't have second thoughts about them well This ties in with what we've already reviewed in this series regarding our salvation. It was something decided by God before the world began, and so he's not going to have any second thoughts about it now. Our disappointing performance is no surprise to the God who knows the end of a thing from its beginning. Nothing, absolutely nothing, takes God by surprise. So if the God who knows all things in advance made a deliberate choice of each believer before the course of world history even began, what can possibly alter that sovereign decision now, or at any time? Already we've seen the example of Israel. Israel as a nation had failed, and God had dealt with them for that. But as the Apostle Paul shows, God's wisdom is such that all of his dealings with Israel and the rest of the world fit together like pieces of a jigsaw. God doesn't ever have to eat his words. Israel's future remains glorious in God's purposes. Paul said it very emphatically, God has not abandoned or thrown away Israel, nor has the church taken Israel's place in the promises that God once gave to Israel. God's word, his promise to Abraham, will never fail can never fail god's word cannot be broken his plans cannot be molded according to our wishes if these wishes of ours run contrary to his will and his purposes cannot be thwarted by our failures and even by our backsliding much as any backsliding on our part is to be regretted so we want to say very clearly that the free gift of god which is salvation to everyone who receives Jesus Christ, God's Son, by faith as his or her personal Saviour, that free gift of God will never, can never be withdrawn by God. Once saved, you're always saved. Praise God for that.
0: And so I trust you have a greater assurance of salvation after hearing today's talk. Now, if you'd like to study this subject more deeply, there's a transcript booklet available which covers the whole of this ten-part series. And if you'd like one, or more than one, for group study, ask for the title, Once Saved, Always Saved. You can contact us by email or by post. And here's the address. Search for Truth, P.O. Box 70115, Chilomani Blantyre, Malawi. And you can also find a selection of past programmes and uh, some other helpful material on our website at www.searchfortruth.org.uk. Now, it's been really great to have your company today. Please join us next week for another talk in this series, but until then, it's very best wishes from Bible teacher Brian, studio technician David, our singers, and me, John. Goodbye for now and may God richly bless you.